2: you shouldn't be feeling too secure about your uh, homeland security have you seen the bumbling idiot who's running the department of homeland security he's incapable of answering a question with anything other than "Uh, i'm sorry i can't answer that or i don't know which is also i can't answer that his name is alejandro mayorkas and listen to this exchange when Senator John Kennedy asked him who hired the other idiot Nina Jankowicz to be in charge of the idiotic disinformation board. Who at the department?
3: Picked- um Senator we, we don't discuss our hiring our internal hiring processes but I am the Secretary of Homeland Security and ultimately I am responsible.
4: When you uh, when the department picked her Did did it know that she had said that Mr. Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation?
3: Um, Senator, uh, let me let me uh, repeat myself and add one uh, other fact. I was not aware of that. Uh, we do not discuss the internal hiring process. Ultimately, as the secretary, I'm responsible for the decisions of the Department of right. Homeland Security.
4: When when. Uh when the department picked Ms. Jankiewicz, did it know that she had vouched for the veracity of the Steele
3: dossier? Uh, Senator, let me um, repeat myself and add an, an additional fact. Um, uh, one, uh, we do not discuss uh, internal hiring processes. Two, I was not aware of that fact. Uh, three, as a secretary of Homeland Security... I am responsible for the decisions of the department and for uh, it is my understanding that Ms. Jankowicz is a subject matter expert in the field in which she will be working on behalf of the department.
4: Yeah, I can tell.
2: (laughs) That guy shouldn't be a security guard at the mall and you wonder how long he's going to last. Meanwhile, speaking of the changing of the guard, did uh, J.D. Vance's win in Ohio on Tuesday mean there's a new movement within the Republican Party? We're going to talk about that when we come back. And in our second half hour, speaking of new Republicans, one of the candidates for the nomination in the 17th congressional district, he's going to be here. Stick around.
5: Connecticut hedge fund CEO David McCormick desperately sought President Trump's endorsement, but failed because of his liberal, woke, pro-Biden and pro-China record. Some of the opponents, I have to tell you, are very pro-China, and they're going to let China eat our lunch. We can't let that happen. Other candidates like Jeff Bartos and Carla Sands are more conservative than David McCormick. Bartosz and Sands sought Trump's endorsement too, but President Trump picked Dr. Oz. He is pro-life and he is very, very much in favor of the Second Amendment. He'll fight for
0: strong borders. He's got a movement going along with our movement and he's very well supported by people like Sean Hannity. I see ads in Pennsylvania where they're all
5: claiming that they have my support. They don't have my support. The only one that has my support is Dr. Oz. Endorsed by Trump, pro-gun, pro-life. Dr. Oz for Senate. I'm Dr. Mehmet Oz, a candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Dr. Oz for Senate. How many servings of fruits and vegetables do you have in your fridge right now? If you're like most people, the answer is simply not enough. But who can? It is difficult to keep your family stocked up with the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables every day without a daily trip to the grocery store. If only there was a way to get all the recommended fruits and vegetables into your diet. Balance of Nature is the easiest way to do just that. Balance of Nature utilizes years of scientific research to give you the most efficient way to eat your fruits and vegetables on a daily basis. We source fruits and vegetables that meet our rigorous standards of quality and quickly put them through an advanced cold, dark, drying process, locking in the dense nutrient content. This food is then ground up and placed into capsules for you to take at your convenience. Make eating healthy easy by going online to balanceofnature.com or by calling 1-800-246-8751. And be sure to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code BALANCE. Hey,
6: Earl, did you hear that Senator Mastriano voted to pass Act 77? You're kidding. Isn't that the law that allowed no-excuse mail-in ballots that the Democrats are abusing?
5: Yeah, but it's
0: worse than that. Mastriano also proposed that folks with COVID should be mandated to register with the government or be punished.
6: And that's a violation of my privacy rights. Uh, what will they come up with next? A tax increase? You know, Earl, now that you mention it, he has. Mastriano is proposing a 60% increase in our Pennsylvania income tax. Wow. Unbelievable.
0: I'm sure glad I talked to you guys. Don't be like Earl. Get the facts. Doug Mastriano can't be trusted. Paid for by Pennsylvania Patriots for Election Integrity, LLC. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The
1: Answer.
2: Well, Donald Trump went 22 and 0 Tuesday night. All 22 primary candidates that he endorsed won their elections. Uh, the big winner was J.D. Vance, of course. Uh, he got the Republican nomination for senator in Ohio. A lot of Republicans were rooting against him. Uh, Christopher Bedford, senior editor at The Federalist, is here to tell us why. Chris, thanks for coming on again. Always good to have you.
7: Thanks for having me. It's always great to
2: be here. So you you wrote about this today. Um, Why are so many Republicans disappointed that Vance won? Is it all about Trump?
7: It's not. Some of it's about Donald Trump, but a lot of it's a lot bigger. And you see these folks like Karl Rove, et cetera, who've come out against Vance trying to make it about Trump. But I think that's... That's short-sighted. Those people are playing checkers when they say, listen, Donald Trump's endorphin, what does it mean to the GOP? Because I think the broader thing that means to the American right and to those people who are interested in fighting back is that this movement that Donald Trump created or or gave voice to, kind of the populist right that we've seen is more of a working-class party, uh, no more foreign wars party, at least unnecessary one, bring manufacturing back to this country, socially conservative. It's broader than just the former president and now we're starting to get some really new faces like J.D. Vance and you've got Blake Masters who's running down Arizona. These, these and They didn't want that because they stand against a lot of the different aspects that Republicans in D.C. stand for. So I mean you've got the Senate minority whip John Thune who said he was looking forward to the coverage of Vance's loss. Yeah, the reporters covered it and one senior Republican aide told the Hill that of Senate Republicans did not want to see J.D. Vance win. Because he's someone who wants to go out, come to D.C., and go at Big Tech, and go at Google, and go at the the Silicon Valley folks who've been attacking us over and over again, and not just sit on their hands. He's someone who says that, I don't care exactly what's going on in Ukraine. I'm more worried about the fentanyl coming over our border and defending that. You go to Washington, D.C., there's a massive fight to send a couple billion dollars to defend our border, And everyone agrees to send $20 billion to a foreign country, whether or not you agree with that. And he's someone who says, we need to go at the university systems. We need to attack these centers that are just filtering all thought in America. Why are we we sending them billions of dollars? Well, in D.C., Republicans and Democrats alike would rather just send that money and not have the fight. So in D.C., where the Senate wants to avoid these kind of fights, J.D. Vance and uh, some of these other folks are the exact opposite of that, and they're willing to take it to the enemy.
2: Yeah, I saw him on uh, Tucker Carlson's show, um, I guess it was yesterday, um, after he had won the the election in uh, Ohio, um, and he really trashed Karl Rove. Trashed him. I mean, Vance did. Um, You don't get much more establishment in the Republican Party than Karl Rove, do you? No, he's basically
7: that that classic guy who's walking around with his whiteboard talking about this vote or that vote and this vote and that vote. Listen, that's fine. You need those kind of folks, those those accountant types, to really help you win elections. But what's a, what exactly is the point of a Republican majority? We've had Republican majorities in the House and the Senate and the White House before. They haven't been able to accomplish these things because the left has continued to march. Now these they're, they're kind of Republicans who are very happy to just tinker around the edges and to just kind of push back here and there politely, never raising their voice against what the Democrats are wanting to do and you compare that to people like Ron DeSantis, who are willing to go at the Disney Corporation and take away the privileges that have been granted because they're targeting his constituents and their children you compare that to Tucker Carlson who says well why do we have this orthodoxy it hasn't been working we need to toss it out or you compare that to JD Vance who says why are we continuing to fund folks that are actively trying to destroy us those guys are radical by comparison But conservatives generally don't like the word radical. They don't like the idea of this. They like to use the institutions, but they have to come to the conclusion, which I think has been the case now for six or so years, that America's institutions, the education institutions, a lot of the government, the legal institutions, the, the medical institutions have become completely captured by the left and have become places that simply propagate permanent revolution. When you have that, you need to be a radical, you need to push back, you need to be willing to fight them, and you need to say no. And there's just too many, unfortunately, in D.C. pushing back against that, but we're starting to see some wins.
2: Um, I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative slash libertarian, I guess. Uh, I have some libertarian leanings, but um, I, I'm, I purposely have been an independent because the Republican Party too often makes me gag for, for the things that you just said, which is... They seem to push around the edges, and then when the, the going gets tough they uh, they just i, I don 't know is it the media that that, ha, that have them uh, that, that gets them um, afraid to speak up or only speak up to a certain point? What is it that makes them feel like they can't make that last big push?
7: I think part of it is just the fact that the institutions are so captured by the left. so take the university system for example. Um, it's essentially an accreditation system. That's not a place. You, don't, you go to Harvard, you go to Boston University, you're not typically not going to come out that much smarter. I mean, look at a Representative Ocasio-Cortez. She's no brilliant person. She came from BU. What does that diploma mean? It just means that you've got an accreditation. You're part of an elite society. And when they have all these folks who are now part of this elite society, these PhDs just attacking you and attacking you, you've got polite society saying you're awful. So it's easy for these Republicans to retreat and say, maybe I am, maybe I am. But that's not the way around it. I mean, just look at what DeSantis did a few weeks ago in Florida, because it's back in the news now, when he said, your privileges are revoked because you've launched perverted content intentionally to try and persuade children, and you've, and you've opposed the people of this state. When he did that, he was attacked by Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who's intending to run for president. He just gave a speech this week at the Ronald Reagan Library in California. He was attacked by a Wall Street Journal. He was attacked by some of the writers of the National Review. For trying to go against this awful orthodoxy of just, of sequiousness toward, uh, towards, and subservience towards corporate America. Well, look what's happened in the last week since that ruling was leaked in the Supreme Court that leans toward potentially uh, revoking Roe v. Wade and Casey. These corporations that in the month previously would, would suddenly turn their whole logos into pro abortion logos, issue all these statements about standing up for abortion. They've been silent. You know, it's just one brave, governor and legislature, legislators who stood up and said no more and shared a new way, we can actually fight back. It seems like a lot of these companies that are attacking us and these politicians are unstoppable, but you can beat them. You just have to begin to actually fight.
2: It's interesting about DeSantis because he won his race. It's not like he's, he's uh, operating, at least his, his state may be um, much more red now than it was two years ago, but... It's not like he's been operating in a state that is that is, you know, 100% red and a slam dunk. He he won his race by a few thousand votes and he still had that's the a, guts to stand up. Uh, he's not in a state. There there are other governors in other states that have no no fear of losing to a democrat. Texas, for example, they don't stand up the way DeSantis does.
7: That's exactly right and a great point. The the, the, the margins that DeSantis won by wouldn't be able to fill the Rose Bowl stadium. The Rosanna still went out and showed courage. And these other folks just say, Well, I can't do that, I can't do that, my hands are tied. Now the Santas had his legislature on his side, but there's no excuse for a lot of other states, whether you're Texas or some of the other Republican states, that have refused to do this. And one of the reasons they refuse to do it is because they, they they like the donors, they like the corporate class, they want to make friends, they want to have a job afterwards. You need a certain level of fearlessness, the kind that you've seen from DeSantis, from Vance, from Donald Trump, from Tucker Carlson, from Elon Musk, who's not even really any in any way a conservative, just a free speech guy. A fearlessness, because when you do challenge this regime, when you challenge their cathedral, well they come down on you like a thousand of bricks. They'll catch you from every single direction. Now you have to be prepared for that because this is the way the left has been fighting now for 100 years. It's how they took over American institutions when 100 years ago all they had was a couple of labor unions and some university chairs. They've taken it over. And that's because they fought. Now the right is actually beginning to finally fight back. We're seeing results, but it, it, it can be painful and difficult at times.
2: You mentioned Tucker Carlson. I, I've noticed, and I watch him almost every night, uh, and I've seen you on there many times, by the way, but um, he, uh, he it's interesting that he is not handing it off to Sean Hannity every night. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm a TV guy, too, so I I notice this kind of stuff. He used to... Um, they had a little cross-talk, they call it. Uh, after his show, he would throw it over to Sean Hannity, and he'd say something funny, and they'd yuck it up for a couple of seconds, and then Sean would take over. He'd say, great, as you always, Tucker, great show. They haven't done that in a couple of months. And I think it's because... Sean Hannity knows that Tucker Carlson is uh, not enough of a hawk on Ukraine. And that, that has a lot of Republicans upset, doesn't it?
7: So they've been, they've been long friends. I mean, Tucker used to guest host Sean Hannity's show. I remember sitting there on the sidelines when Hannity was out, and he'd be at the desk running those shows. So they go back and, and have been old pals. But I'm, you're right, there's certainly... I've been a big break between Hannity and and Tucker on the Ukraine thing. In fact, aside from Vance and a few others, Tucker's one of the only people who's saying, hold on a second. We're we're entering stagflation. We're possibly entering recession. Our border is completely porous. fentanyl is the leading cause of death and, and and a leading cause of death in our States. Deaths of despair. Why are we sending $20 billion to fight a foreign war? I'm not exactly sure what's, what's going on here. Why are we risking world war? And, and, you know, you, you can have strong opinions against that, strong opinions for it, but the, the level of vitriol that's been heaped on him for simply asking those questions. We've got Democratic politicians and, and daytime talk show hosts calling for his investigation and possible imprisonment for treason. I mean, I don't know exactly what's treasonous about about taking a side in a foreign war between two different foreign countries, but <laughs> people have been saying that anyways. And it, it's refreshing to see folks like Vance and others who come out and say, hold on. Um, the America First uh, idea doesn't go away. Just the, This is the first time you see gunshots across the ocean.
2: We're talking to Chris uh, Bedford. He's a senior editor at The Federalist. You should check his piece out at uh, thefederalist.com. The headline is, J.D. Vance and the new right are racking up wins while the establishment stabs at their backs. Uh, who are some of these other people who are stabbing at their backs, and um, are, are they doing it? secretly or or how many of them are willing to come out publicly uh and uh show that they're disappointed with them well some
7: of it's been pretty obvious like the new york times columnist brett stevens who's ostensibly allegedly the conservative columnist asked him tuesday what is a conservative and he said he posited that it was unconservative for abrupt and profound change to establish laws by that he meant the supreme court saying that roe and casey were wrongly decided would be an unconservative move, even if there was the right move, because it would alter things too quickly. And you've, got, you've got Senator John Thune, the minority whip, coming out and chuckling it up with reporters, talking about how, oh no, uh, J.D. Vance is going to lose, then we can all laugh about it and check it out. You've got, uh, the Hill has reported that, according to one senior Republican staffer, 70% of Republican senators were excited for J.D. Vance to lose. And because he, these are the folks who are willing to fight, these are the folks that are calling it out, How someone like Brett Stevens, uh, someone who's an intelligent person, can have so many worms in his brains to actually think that banning abortion is bad because it would be an abrupt change to stop the sacrifice of children at a massive industrial level would be too abrupt of a change, so therefore not conservative. It shows that they've lost track of what they actually came to Washington or New York to fight for, which is not just slow moving policy and adherence to institutions, but the true and the good and the beautiful. For the, for the weak and those unable to defend themselves for traditional values. These are the things that are worth fighting for, and all these guys want to do is tinker and tinker around the edges, and it's just not right.
2: I wonder, uh, Chris, things just couldn't be any worse for, for Biden and the Democrats than they are right now. I mean, just everything is, is uh, going bad for them, and all the signs are terrible for them. Uh, Are the Republicans only showing some guts now because they see that the Democrats are an easy uh, opponent that they can just kick while they're down? Uh, Has that given them a little bit more courage than they normally have?
7: Republicans always have a lot of courage when they're in the minority. They can vote to repeal Obamacare 100 times when they're in the minority, but not get it done once when they're in the majority. That's not uh, uncommon. But the, And Republicans, by and large, the leadership are exactly like that. You could see that from how viciously they turned on Governor Rick Scott, Like Senator Rick Scott of Florida, when he released a plan for a Republican agenda. Mitch McConnell treated him like he was an apostate. He was harder on Scott than he, was, and he is on Chuck Schumer, because he had dared to speak up and just set forth a plan. But people like him and people like Musk and people like Tucker and Vance and DeSantis, I think they're the real deal. I don't think that they're they're just doing it because of weak democratic power. They're fighting, up, they're fighting back against people who are significantly more powerful than them. Because even though Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, these octogenarians, are like white knuckle gripping to power in D.C., the folks that really pull the strings were a lot of the oligarchs in this country, the Silicon Valley, the Wall Street types, the intelligence community, the Pentagon types, the folks that have been coming out swinging on the right now for the last five years. Uh, those folks are still powerful, and those the, the people who you see on the new right, who are who are doing battle, are still are still facing some real threats. And to your point, it's not coming really from Joe Biden.
2: Oh, uh, and um, is it going to be different this time? Because they are going to take over the House and the Senate, but they're still going to have uh, the president to deal with. Are they going to show some guts this time, and and actually try to? do things, and as, as you were, uh, pointed out here, not, not uh, glacier-like, but actually jump in and get something done quickly?
7: I'm hopeful, but I'm always trying to be hopeful. But, but I, I think that with, with Senator Mitch McConnell still in charge of the U.S. Senate, you're going to be very unlikely to get that. He doesn't want the fights. He doesn't want the battles. He doesn't want the hard votes. He doesn't want to put people on the record. And, you know, he's going to have to because if Roe is actually repealed, the Democrats are going to push for these kind of votes, and he's going to have to be, he's going to have to answer that call and decide where he stands. These sorts of things, like that Supreme Court, those Supreme Court cases, have served as shields for cowardly Republicans and, and cowardly all kinds of folks, even the bishops, for so long because they've been able to say, well, it's the law of the land. I don't have a hand in it. I, it's against my religious convictions, but it's a woman's choice, or there's nothing I can do. Well, if these are actually repealed, Everyone will be able to do something now. Your local state representatives, your local state senators, and your national state senators and congressmen, the clergy and other people who have been silent for so long will be in a more awkward position if they don't speak up. And I'm hoping that this will really help reinvigorate some of the American character and get all of us on both sides more interested in in this situation.
2: Are there really, I saw somewhere, somebody had some numbers up about how many contested races there actually are around the country, and there aren't that many. That may be different this year because, as I said, some things are so bad for the Democrats. But are there really that many places around the country where change is even, it's even uh, realistic to think there's going to be change? Well, for
7: the, for the congressional races, House representatives, absolutely. It's going to be. It looks like it's going to be a, a, a red tidal wave in those right. places. But this is a bad map for Republicans in the Senate. They don't have a lot of places they're actually saying a chance that are coming up. I don't even have the map in front of me right now. But even with that, it's, it's a, such a narrow margin in the Senate. They will. It's expected that they'll be able to maintain, to, to gain a small majority in the Senate. But the question is, to your point, what are you going to do with that? You've still got the Mitt Romneys on there. You've still got the Susan Collins. You've still got the, these different liberal Republican senators so there still will have to be a lot of deal-making and that's just the way it goes until you end up getting the presidency back and even then you have to have the right leaders and the right push to, be able to make a difference. The cool thing about the U.S. Senate which has been proved before by Senator DeMint, Senator Lee and others is that one senator can make a big difference if they use their power correctly so that's something that we have going for us.
2: Hey, Chris, I'm out of time. Uh, Always great to have you on. Uh, The piece is at thefederalist.com. It's one of the best things I've read in a long time. Uh, Great piece, and uh, great to have you on to talk about it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll be right back.
6: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Ukraine's Foreign Minister, Dmytro Kuleba has welcomed European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen's proposal for an oil embargo on Russia. Kaleba says failure is not
3: an option in the war with Russia. The war, I told you, we will win. As simple as that, because we have no other choice.
6: Former U.S. Senator Jim Tallon predicting the Supreme Court ruling against Roe versus Wade is unlikely to lead Democrats to victory in November, but he says the party could benefit in the short run.
7: Politically, I think this is a, at least
8: a short-term benefit for the Democrats because it, it gives them something to talk about other than the issues which are killing them, which are all the other issues. Inflation, crime, the border
6: former Senator Talent interviewed on the Salem Radio Network.
1: This is SRN News. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388.
0: Enjoy. AM 1250. The answer. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show.
9: Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. On the next Hugh Hewitt Show, the latest in a series of Hillsdale Dialogues on the key subject of friendship. All Hillsdale Dialogues are collected at iTunes and wherever there are podcasts. All 500 of them. Dr. Owen and I on most of them. Don't miss the new one, though, on the very next Hugh Hewitt Show.
0: Hugh Hewitt. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9, on AM 1250. The answer.
8: Your local radio stations are here for you. No subscriptions or money. Monthly fees necessary. We're here to give you the news, weather, and traffic you need, and the music you love. But if the foreign owned record labels get their way, it could stop the music. They want Congress to force radio stations to pay them more money simply to play their music. Don't let radio go silent. Text local to 52886 and tell Congress to protect local radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Hey, Earl. Did you hear that Senator Mastriano voted to pass Act
6: 77? You're kidding. Isn't that the law that allowed no-excuse mail-in ballots that the Democrats are abusing?
2: Yeah,
0: but it's worse than that. Mastriano also proposed that folks with COVID should be mandated to register with the government or be punished.
6: And that's a violation of my privacy rights. What will they come up with next? A tax increase? You know, Earl, now that you mention it, he has. Mastriano is proposing a 60% increase in our Pennsylvania income tax. Wow. Unbelievable.
0: I'm sure glad I talked to you guys. Don't be like Earl. Get the facts. Doug Mastriano can't be trusted. Paid for by Pennsylvania Patriots for Election Integrity, LLC. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. W223CS, Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer.
5: Wrapping up our rush hour
1: with outbound 28 delays between 40th Street Bridge and Highland Park Bridge. And the ramps closed at Freeport Road for construction. Plenty of volume on the Parkway East. Really busy both ways into the Squirrel Hill Tunnel and downtown 2nd Avenue down to the Fort Pitt Bridge. At least a 10-minute delay there. Parkway West, a slow go on the outbound side. Banksville Road to Carnegie. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, The Answer
1: weather cloudy skies expected for tonight with rain developing the low 56 rain tomorrow there can be flooding in some areas we'll see a high tomorrow of 64 breezy saturday morning otherwise cool with occasional rain a wet start to the weekend we'll see nicer weather for outdoor activities on sunday expect a high saturday of 56 with your accuweather forecast i'm forecaster drew shannon this
0: is the John stacker walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
2: Well, Mr. Invisible, uh, Connor Lamb, has disappeared. He's not running for re-election. He's getting destroyed in the uh, Democrat Senate primary by John Fetterman right now. That means District 17 is open. There's a battle going for the Republican nomination there. One of the guys in that battle is Jason Kilmeyer, and he joins us now. Jason, thanks for coming on. John, thanks for having me. So um, the uh, the other two candidates are Jeremy Schaefer and Kathleen Coder. What uh, separates you from them, do you suppose?
9: John, uh, again, thanks for having me on. There's a lot that separates us. The very first of those things is I am the only candidate in the race from either side of uh, the aisle with any foreign policy experience. I have a dozen years of national security experience. Uh, for four years, John, I actually helped – the federal government untie its own supply chain from China, something we need to do more of as a country. But, John, the other thing that separates me is politicians promise us things. They tell us they're going to fight. Republicans say they're going to fight for this, they're going to fight for that. Well, John, after I served in that national security role, I went up and served as the chief operating officer of Project Veritas with James O'Keefe. So I went headfirst into fights where we proved voter fraud, where we exposed mainstream media lies, um, and where we went after big tech in specific frontline ways.
2: Uh, I love Project Veritas. I didn't know you were involved with that. Uh, That's interesting. How did you go from uh, what you were working in uh, national security to that? That's the media. That's the stinking media.
9: Right. So I was uh, in D.C. and and again, proud of that work I did in counterterrorism and in supply chain. But, John, I I increasingly saw that distinction between a decadent capital and what I saw around the rest of the country. And I thought I can't just sit at home and yell at the news anymore. And I went up, I interviewed with James O'Keefe and he offered me the chief operating officer, the number two role. And, And I, John, I was very aware of the doors I was opening, but also those those doors to polite society, I was shutting. But what I tell people is is the hour is late, and I knew it was time to get involved.
2: So, um, and, and how long were you with uh, Project Veritas? I was there, John, for uh,
9: a little over a year and a half. I was there throughout the entire 2020 election cycle. Um, joined in the summer of 2019, and and, and we got loaded and ready uh,
2: for 2020. And, um, uh they're, they're calling you the insurgent candidate. Is that a good thing?
9: I think it is uh, uh, in that I know that I've rattled some feathers. Uh, um, uh, Jeremy Schaefer, one of my opponents, he is the big money establishment candidate. And uh, as follows, he has the big money and, and the establishment endorsements. Um, I never sought to run that race. I knew um, that I couldn't run that race and, and stay true to my principles. And uh, so what we have done is go around five, six events a day, meet with as many people. The traffic that um, uh, the traffic person just talked about on 28, I just got out of 28 um, heading out to an event in Shaler now. And uh, what we are doing is talking to as many people one on one. And just like Chris Bedford said on the last segment, people are ready to put America first again.
2: Well, We have less than two weeks till uh, May 17th primary. Uh, how how are you doing uh, poll wise? What are your what are your uh, what does your polling show you?
9: What we find, John, is the more that this message gets out, we are rising on a daily. I repeat that a daily basis. And so, what we have now is, is a simple word called momentum. Mm-hmm. I had seventeen people door knocking for me last Saturday. Uh, my opponent, Jeremy went with an, to an event with a single-paid staffer that wasn't even in our district. This Saturday, we've got another b- even bigger day. So increasing volunteers, increasing support, and, and we're here to make some noise and throw some sharp elbows. Chris mentioned this on the last segment. There's not going to be anywhere left to hide
7: mm-hmm.
9: when we come into office in January. This is a no-learning curve Congress. So are Republicans serious about being pro-life, or are they not? Are they serious? about cutting spending, are they not? Are they serious about ending the era of foreign adventure, or are they not? We're about to find out.
2: Yeah, um, as if you, did you listen to the segment that I just did with Chris? Yes. He's, it was a great piece he wrote, and uh, i tell people again where to find it. It's at com, And the headline, let me see it, I have it here somewhere, uh, J.D. Vance and the new right are racking up wins while the establishment stabs at their backs. I guess I should ask you... Would you consider yourself among that new right that Chris was talking about?
9: I do, John. And and some of those guys, uh, Vance, Masters, um, American Moment, the American Conservative, there's a reason that they've touched such a nerve. It's because they threaten the way things have worked for so long. And so what I tell people is, right, and this is a, a, a general catchphrase a lot of people know is, you must be doing something right. You must be hovering over the target if you're getting that much blowback. Mm-hmm. And that's what those guys have brought to the table. And, and, and it's really basic things. Um, I would not trade a single American life for a single Ukrainian life. And I don't think that that's mean. I don't think that that's xenophobic. I think that that is where most voters in the United States are. What, what Donald Trump began was the transition of the Republican Party to a working class party. And if we're not here to continue that work, what are we doing here?
2: What do your opponents uh, say about Ukraine?
9: Well, I'll be honest, uh, given their limited foreign policy experience, it tends to just be we should support X or Y, we should send uh, uh, this weapon system or that weapon system. None of it's in much detail, uh, to be quite honest with you. Where I'm concerned, John, from a foreign perspective, is, is my opponent, Jeremy, has Openly, and again on May 3rd, talked about the business he's done over in China. Mm-hmm. So I was helping to untie U.S. supply chains from China. I mean that very specifically. That was my job. Um, he talked about the business he's conducted over there, uh, helping build out Chinese infrastructure. The, the big national political consulting firm that he is currently overpaying, um, they have actually lobbied on behalf of foreign governments. So the firm that he is currently employing, lobbied the very Congress he hopes to join on behalf of foreign dictatorships. And I, if that is not uh, the swamp, I don't know how else to define it.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think if you took a survey, and I don't mean even necessarily a scientific poll. I, I don't need Gallup. If you went into a restaurant tonight that had a nice crowd for dinner, and you went around and asked the people in there a simple question, would you, if given the choice, uh, would you take Ukraine surrendering tomorrow morning or the price of a gallon of gas dropping by a buck and a half? Which one would you take? And I, 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 I could be wrong about this. I think 90 percent would take the gas, $1.50 off the yeah. gallon of gas. I just don't think people – it's an unfortunate. It's a terrible story. We see the pictures on TV. It's sad. It, and war is terrible. And we all know that. I just don't think there are people out there who care that much. The, to have this with the gas and then you know we're, they're talking about a food shortage coming up and all the other things that are happening because of it. I just don't think people think it's worth it.
9: Yeah, and I tell you what, John, what you hit on there was, was a very basic thing that we used to all know, which is take care of the home front first. Mm-hmm. Secure your border. Don't spend more than you got. Generally stay out of other people's hair, and good things happen. And we've gotten away from that. So I, I talk to people that, that say, I'd love to pursue this policy issue or that policy issue. I can barely afford to get to work. Mm-hmm. I can barely afford to talk to restaurant owners who say, I don't know how to set my menu because I don't know what things are going to cost in three weeks.
2: Yep. I hear that a lot. Yeah. And, and you can't find anybody to work. Uh, yeah.
9: I mean, I can, I can think of a specific place that had the great grand opening sign and we're ready to go, and then the, the UBI, disguised as the, the reworked child tax credit, came out, and guess what happened? Half the employees they had lined up didn't show up, and they had to delay the opening of that restaurant for six weeks, and, and that restaurant was situated in between two four lease signs that are still not filled.
2: And that the UBI, that means that people got money for not working, is that right? Yeah,
9: I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. What, what, What the Biden administration did, and a lot of people don't realize this because it was very pernicious, is they essentially turned what was the child tax credit into a monthly giveaway regardless of income status that they would give to people. And so it was a way where they did not have the legislative consensus to start doling out money to people, anyways, and it was part of that extra several trillion dollars that we injected into our economy, causing the inflationary spiral that we're still suffering from.
2: Now, I uh, th- this is, I-, I hate to say this, but your race, your th- what's going on there in the 17th district? I don't know how much attention people are paying to, to this uh, in small pockets that you visit, and then just in the district itself. But overall, it's really getting overshadowed by everything else, but especially the Senate. Uh, when it comes to politics, the, the uh, Republican primary for the Senate especially, uh, that's really getting most of the attention. How do you, how do you get your message out so that uh, you only have within less, in, in less than two weeks that you can um, let people know who you are and how you, what you plan to do is different from what's being, been done in the past?
9: Yeah, John, good question. Um, we knew that we were not going to be the big money candidates, so we have concentrated our spend here for the final um, stretch. And the plan was always to win in a foot race. And I think we're really well positioned to do so. You're gonna You're going to see us a lot of different ways. People are going to hear from us a lot of different ways on their phones, on the radio, a lot of different places. But let me also say, the message itself is equally important because I I met with a couple people at Eden Park earlier this week, and they each told three friends, and they each told three friends. When you actually reflect those day-to-day concerns of the voters of of western Pennsylvania, good things tend to happen, and and we're really confident.
2: Uh, We're talking to Jason Kilmeyer. He is uh, running for the Republican nomination for Congress in District 17, and I should say that uh, his opponents, Jeremy Schaefer and Kathleen Coder, are welcome to come on the show um, if they would like to uh, talk about what they're uh, what they're selling. We want to hear them too. Um, but uh, as I said, it, it's it's hard to get attention now. Uh, does is there uh, is there a, uh, a televised debate or anything like that coming up?
9: So, John, there were a few events uh, where. Kathy and I both attended, and, and 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 Jeremy skipped, and then only one event um, where we were all three there. That was this past Tuesday in Beaver, mm-hmm. and we are working to see if that recording will come out, but it was not televised live. To your point, John, about um, right, the mainstream media wanted to focus on some of these other races, obviously. Um, and so I am uh, tomorrow going to formally challenge Jeremy to a one-on-one debate, He contradicted himself a number of times on Tuesday night out in Beaver County. um, And and I want to give him the opportunity to explain to voters um, some of those elements, but, but you're right, right? It's been, I think the adjective people keep using is sleepy. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them is it won't be in a couple of months. The spotlight on this race is going to be bright and it's going to be unforgiving. Um, You know, we need somebody who can handle that spotlight, who can handle the pressure I've seen behind the curtain I understand how pernicious the mainstream media is. I've gone after them, and i fought back. And so I think that when the attention finally turns to this race, um, people will see that I'm the best, uh, best prepared to handle that spotlight.
2: And we're, you grew up in Mount Lebanon? Yes, sir, I did. Just I like, know you were a Mount Lebanon guy, too. Yeah, I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> I was born there. Yeah. Um, as uh, uh, Connor Lamb, I call him Mr. Invisible here. We tried a few times to get him to come on the show. Uh, and he tried to sell himself as a conservative Dem- or a, a moderate Democrat, and then he talked a good game but then voted like 98% was Nancy Pelosi. So what happens when with whoever wins this Republican nomination, then what?
7: Yeah, so
9: I think what's going to happen is the two guys who are going to replace uh, uh, him are not even pretending to be moderates. And whoever wins in, in 12 days in the Republican primary is almost assuredly going to be the next congressperson uh, for Mm -hmm. PA-17. If I get a chance to go after either of those two Democratic candidates, I'm going to run them over. Um, (laughs) But what we need to do is make sure, right, is is absolutely make sure that whoever is there is going to hold true to their word. I'm I'm not doing the typical thing that a politician does, which is you veer a one-way and then you veer back to the middle. A single, sound, consistent economic message talking about how to fight inflation, talking about how high gas prices are and how specifically we can improve that is the winning consistent message. It's the same message in Braddock Hills as it is out in Beaver County. And, and John, let me make another point here, which is this. I have committed to not just term limits, but also to put any of the, the very little bit of money I'll have left if I win in November into a blind trust. I am not going to be held hostage by leadership I am not going to dial for dollars for national money. I am not going to let them threaten committee assignments as a way to get me to fall in line. I will not vote for continuing resolutions that fund this country in a bank- bankruptcy. I understand the levers that they use there in D.C. I understand them keenly, and I will not be swayed.
2: Well, i got to go. I just want to say real quick that uh, Mount Lebanon has become nauseatingly liberal, it seems, in the last uh, I don't know how many years. Uh, I hope you can do something to change that. But uh, I hope to have you on again uh, uh, before the, uh, the 17th if you can do it. And I appreciate you coming Absolutely. on now.
9: John, thanks so much for the good work that you do, and thanks for having me on.
2: Okay, and that's Jason Kilmeyer, He's running for Congress in District 17 for the Republican nomination. We'll be right back.
8: Make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come by traveling to Israel this year. Sign up today for the thrill and excitement of visiting the Holy Land this November with nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details and to register. On the tour, you'll step into history with mouth-watering cuisine picturesque scenes and magnificent people while visiting over 40 iconic sites and sacred places you've only read and heard about for years. Pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, float in the mineral-rich Dead Sea, and take a boat onto the middle of the Sea of Galilee as you experience something transforming in your life. Call 855-565-5519 to reserve your spot. Again, visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to book your trip today.
4: Dr. Mehmet Oz confessed, quote, I'm not socially conservative. Mehmet Oz is a liberal on guns. Listen to him in his own words. How do we keep guns
1: out of the wrong person's hands? Red flag laws. Even worse,
4: Oz supported New Zealand-style forced government gun buybacks, tracking gun owners with universal licensing and an assault rifle ban. No wonder Mehmet Oz confessed, quote, I'm not socially conservative. Mehmet Oz, a Hollywood liberal and total fraud. Dave McCormick? He's an Iraq combat veteran with a bronze star. He's a proud son of Pennsylvania and a sportsman. Dave McCormick is a conservative who you can trust to stand up to the woke liberal mob and protect your Second Amendment rights. Honor Pennsylvania Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Paid for by Honor Pennsylvania Inc. honorpennsylvania.com
2: Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee. With prices set to increase on all exterior products, lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at Pittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. Windows Arrest, you've tried the rest, now
8: try the best.
0: The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer.
2: So, uh, 2,000 Mules is the explosive new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. uh, It was executive produced by Salem Media Group, and it's the story of the people who tried to hijack the presidential election back in November of 2020. And there's all kinds of jaw-dropping evidence in there. I've seen some of it. It's amazing. You should check it out. Uh, The truth has been exposed. We'll see how much the media picks up on that. But... Lots of people around the country have gone to the uh, nationwide theatrical release. But if you missed that and you do want to see 2,000 Mules or if you want to see it again, you can watch a special virtual event uh, from home uh, on Saturday. You can see the movie that President Donald Trump calls a real blockbuster. And you can participate in a live audience Q&A with Dinesh D'Souza. Eric Metaxas and Larry Elder and some other people. You can watch on any device with a web browser. It's 8 o'clock Saturday night. Visit 2000mules.com to get your tickets for this uh, virtual event. That's the number 2000mules.com. So, um, and then tomorrow I want to mention that uh, I have here coming on at uh, 5.13 tomorrow, Naomi Wolf. Uh, She's... um, Really been out there uh, talking about how governments all around the world took advantage of COVID nineteen and just trampled on people's rights. She has a book out called "The Bodies of Others: The New Authoritarians, COVID nineteen, and the War Against the Human uh, Against uh, Against the Human Race." I guess, uh, but any anyway, that's uh, tomorrow night at uh, five thirteen. Naomi Wolf will be here. I see that uh, Jen Saki is leaving it's going to be really tough to not see her pasty face on tv anymore oh man is she he's tough to take and she's apparently she's headed for um um uh, she's headed for msnbc i believe and uh so make sure you don't fail to miss her there that's uh that's where can you imagine is she gonna do an hour show i mean oh she's not really is she they're not going to give her an hour show but maybe they will But she's going to be replaced by, I forget her name. I had it here and I forgot it, but uh, she's the assistant right now. But just so you know, the person who's replacing her is a black woman who's also a lesbian. So you couldn't, I mean, (laughs) at least you don't have to be terrorized by, you know, like a a straight white male in that job. You wouldn't want to have that. So you got that. The the diversity is... uh, Reeling its head, and who knows? Maybe she'll do a great job. Can't be any worse than Jen Saki. Anyway, I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Is a production of the Enter Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.